1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: All right, yes, it is. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Busy we are. We got to get to Coach K. We haven't done that enough today. We've got to get to your phone calls. Uh, We're going to do the gambling. We have a million different things to get to. But we need to get to the bottom of what just happened here. For those of you who are just joining us, last week, both Bubba and Hembo were on vacation. Now, Hembo, I know where you were because your wife as many wives do, seems to want to take a picture of everything Mm -hmm. and put it on
3: Instagram. She sure does.
2: And so I know the two of you were in Disney World because I saw you eating a turkey leg and I saw you with the little Mickey ears Mm -hmm. and I saw you running amok in Disney World. Did the whole deal. So that's lovely and I'm glad you had that nice vacation. And you were very unsecretive about it. Now we also know that Bubba was was on vacation last week and he was in Florida. And when I started asking him what he, where he was and what he was doing, Bubba, you became very flustered. You seemed very uncomfortable acknowledging where you were for an entire week. Where were you last week? I,
1: I answered the question. I don't know what you want me to where say.
2: Where were you? I was in
1: Bonita Springs, and I went to a Florida Everblades game.
3: <laughs>
1: I,
2: okay. I've never heard of either of those things. Right, well, where I don't is Bonita Springs? I to, it's in between Naples and Fort Myers. So what made you go to Bonita Springs on your vacation?
1: Well, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that part. But
2: so this is the part I'm worried about. This is where you're being secretive. Who did you go with? Uh, some friends. What friends? Can you give me the name of one friend who was on this trip? Uh, actually, it was only one friend. His name is Adam. So when you say some friends, you meant Adam. Yeah. Okay. To be clear, so in in Bubba speak, some friends equals Adam. Does he
3: play for the Everblades? <laughs> how, how, I need to know, how, like, because Greeny makes fun of me all the time. Yeah. So right. you're going to minor league baseball games on my vacation. I can't be the only one that takes this kind of criticism now. How did this transpire?
1: Well, I mean, it was just we were looking for things to do down there. We, we, uh, it's not like we went to a game every single night. We just went for one night, went to a game uh, with uh, his dad and his uncle. The four of us went. We got glass seats, checking out the Everblades, went to a game. We did other things. We went down to the Everglades. Uh, not the Blades, the Glades. Went down on an <laughs> airboat ride, saw some alligators, did that. Um. You know, we just. We, I went to the beach. Went to the pool. We had some fun. Went for walks. Went to dinner. We had. A, it was a good trip. We had a lot of things going on.
2: Okay. So if you would just said all those things when we began this conversation, right? Then we could have saved ourselves a lot of time and energy. It was the secretive nature that you seem to display in your explanation of this vacation that threw us all for a loop.
1: Yeah. Well. You know. There was. It was a bit of a secret trip.
2: You're a man of mystery is what you are, As it should be. That's what it comes down to. Okay, so as we all get to know the uh, assembled members of the hashtag crew, that's hashtag Bubba. He's ridiculous. Hashtag Hembo, who's also ridiculous. And then there's Nuno, who is on his sleeve. Like, there are some people that you have to wonder about, like what they're thinking, what they're interested in, what they feel about stuff, and then there's Nuno, who has the opposite of that. So Nuno tweeted on March 5th, so that's Saturday night, What was the biggest sporting event of that day? I was at the Lakers. I was at the LeBron 56 points game. And even I know that wasn't the biggest game of the day, right? The biggest game is the Coach K game. Mm -hmm. So Nuno tweets, man, isn't this so lovely? Seeing Carolina beating Duke and seeing all those sad faces. So at the end of this historically great run, Nuno, you took great pleasure in seeing Coach K and the fans at Cameron Indoor falling to a startling and disappointing defeat on Saturday is that right
4: that is right uh, but let me start off by saying I since like 1986 have rooted for Carolina like I when I was ten years old I fell in love with like you know watching j.r Reed and then Scott Williams and like Jeff Lebo so all that so I am a Carolina fan mm. but more importantly this pop in circumstance uh, circumstance whatever this is that we've Uh, You know, given Coach K this whole year, like, it's just over the top and too much. And, like, none of these other great coaches are going to do this, right? Bill Belichick, you won't even know he retired. Like, the season will start and you'll look over and Bill's not there. And you'll be like, hey, what happened with Bill? Like, (laughs) Nick Saban isn't going to do this. And it just... God, it was too much, and I loved seeing, like, Jay Williams in the crowd becoming a meme, calling a timeout when, you know, and no one else, like, you know, everyone avoiding eye contact with them.
2: I just enjoyed it. That's all. <laughs> I just enjoyed all of that. Uh, Nuno, uh, you, you are one who loves to revel in the, in, the, in the pain and suffering of others, which brings us back to Bubba. Uh, Bubba, what is your favorite college basketball team? Uh, I would be a Duke fan. Uh, uh, what is the name of the dog you grew up with? Hurley. So, we, we all understand that he loves that. While Nuno was falling in love with Jeff Lebo, uh, all of the... <laughs> J.R. Oh, Reed Legions of people who became Carolina fans because of Jeff Lebo and <laughs> J.R. Reed. Uh, forget about uh, Michael Jordan and uh, people like that. Uh, but once I saw Jeff Lebo, I was wearing that powder blue for I forever. had to become a Tar Heel fan. Uh, but, but, but anyway, and you did come by the Duke thing, honestly. You're fraudulent on some of your other fandom, but right, your family grew up with the Hurleys, right? You have some connections Next yeah, they grew
1: them. up in Jersey City with the Hurley family. Yeah, so, so were I was you still, six years old watching them. And, were
2: you still in Benita Bay watching the Duke game, or were you no, back I, here? yet? I,
1: I was back here. I was at work here watching the game. And so, how um, did
2: you react to the
1: game? Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely not go as planned. Uh, it was, uh, it was unfortunate, but it was, it was cool to see all the players come back. And uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, more a little more emotional than I would have thought. Just you know, I mean, Coach K has been there obviously my entire life, and he's. You know the greatest college coach of all time, in my opinion, and, and definitely in basketball at least. And uh, it's just uh, you know end of an era, and uh, it was just it was it was sad that it went. They didn't get the win. It was disappointing. I mean, it was a little ridiculous when he was yelling at the crowd after that was a little weird. But um, no, it was, it was it was it was it was it was tough to watch. But
2: uh, it was good to see all the players come back. I enjoyed that. So I'll tell you how I experienced this, Hembo. So as I mentioned, I'm in LA. We're doing Lakers Warriors that night. We come on literally right after the Duke game ends. Not the same channel, but but the Duke game is going to end like eight Eastern. We're coming on an ABC at eight to do the pregame. So like we were when we're getting ready to go on the air because we're in the arena that night. I'm not even in the studio, so I I'm, I I'm trying to get updates on the score. I didn't get to see any of the pregame. And I didn't even know what happened in the game. When we, get, when we finished our pregame show, I'll tell you a true story. We're walking off the court. The fans are losing their minds because it's magic. And Steve. I mean, the way fans react to Stephen A is hilarious. Um, but whatever. We're sort of getting through the crowd, and people are yelling, like, hey, Duke lost. And I looked at a guy, and I was like, Duke lost? <laughs> like, the idea that Duke might lose never even entered my mind. So that's how I found out Duke lost. So now I get back. And we, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting on our halftimes, and I got some downtime. So I'm going through Twitter's reaction. And what I was taken aback by was how delighted and gleeful people were at how that went. Are you surprised, Hembo, at how much joy people took in the sadness of Coach K and
3: Duke? <laughs> Not really, because what they've done down there is what the Yankees did in the 90s. Like they, they built this sort of evil empire. Either you love Duke or you hate Duke, and there are very few people sort of in between. But while I didn't take any joy in you know, the way that Duke fans were reacting like Nuno did, I, I, did, really, I did really like it because what we just saw was, like, when you boil everything down, just a basketball game between two teams that hate each other, and sports are spontaneous and unpredictable, and not every last game is going to be Derek Jeter or Kobe Bryant, and I think there's something kind of poetic about that, too.
2: Yeah, and again, it isn't his last game. It's his last game at, at, in that arena, um, but he'll get a chance to coach the heck out of him now after yeah. the way they played in that game, I guess, in the ACC tournament. Here's the only thing I can think of to say. Now, I, I make no secret of it. I know Coach K, and I like him. And I don't know too many people who know him who don't like him. You start to read increasing numbers of stories of people who have had interactions with him, and they love to tell you that he was mean here or that. My experience with him, and I know of a million other, I can tell you for every bad thing you think he's done, I can give you 10 good stories. Stuff that doesn't wind up on the air and in the newspapers. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not his PR representative. doesn't matter to me if you like him or not. But what I think the Coach K, the moral of the Coach K story is, is sometimes it really is lonely at the top. Like when you become what they became, and you said it right, the world is just dying for you to fall. Like we, we build people up like crazy. I'm old enough to remember when that run started. The first year they made the finals was my freshman year of college. They lost to Purvis Ellison in Louisville in the championship game. Um, but that's, you know, Billis' team and all those guys. Uh, Johnny Dawkins was the best player on that team. They, they lost in the championship game. But that was, they were beloved. Everyone loved them. Oh, this academic school that, you know, and these guys, they've got, and, and here they are making this great run in the championship and all that, they were beloved. The same way I think we were when Northwestern made our one year, that one trip to the tournament. We were the lovable losers. We had Now, Duke had a much better history in basketball than we did, but they'd never won the championship. And, and, and then, when you stay on top, it is lonely up there. Like, people are dying to see you fall. People like Nuno, who take extraordinary pleasure in seeing, because there's something inside of you that does not like to see people be happy, does not like to see people succeed all the time you want because you feel the pain of defeat. You want to see them suffer the pain of defeat and you take pleasure in their in, in that suffering, if you will. I mean, I don't like to overstate the significance. We live in a world where there are a lot more terrible things going on right in this moment of time than Duke losing a basketball game. But like that is kind of how it felt in that moment. It felt like a really, really, really important thing was happening And the fact that they lost was such a surprise um, that it did feel like a bigger deal. But one way or another, that to me is the moral of the Coach K story. It is lonely at the top. Greeny, the podcast. ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
0: it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to Prize. That's Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.comslash Greenberg. Code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
2: I am Greeny. I am presented by Progressive Insurance. We come to you live from the Seaport District to Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. I couldn't help but notice Hembo with a little air drums as this song came in. You like this one?
3: No, I just like, noticed the beat. Is this a song that I should know? I don't
2: know. I, I'm not 100% sure I recognize this song. but what song was that?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's nothing special. It's just a, a Jimmy Eat World song. So I guess theoretically Hembo should know. Greeny will definitely not have any it's idea. It's more up my alley. That's more my genre. Jimmy Eat World.
2: That, that's I i don't even know what genre yeah, it mean, is it's like punk uh like punk pop oh okay greeny
1: definitely wouldn't know but hembo should have known
2: yeah hembo should have. this known. is more my genre well look we got weird stuff going on here today we've gotten to the bottom of the fact on their vacations hembo travels with a man and his 11 year old son all across the country to watch minor league baseball games and eat ribs charlie turned 13 today so uh, when is his bar mitzvah are you going to that <laughs>
3: We're doing it with the uh, Montgomery, Alabama, with with the minor league team there.
2: Okay, fair enough. So there's that.
3: (laughs) The Montgomery Biscuits.
2: Sorry, I just cracked myself up. Anyway, so he travels with his Jewish friends to go see minor league baseball. (laughs) Uh, Bubba went to... Astero, Florida. What did we say it was called? Astero. Well, that was just where the arena was. <laughs> he went to an arena in Astero, Florida to watch the Astero Everblades play hockey. Florida Everblades. Who did they, they play, Bubba? The Greenville Swamp Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he did on his vacation. And, and Nuno, but I was, Nuno, it's worse. Nuno had a week off and just stayed home and did nothing. Right. Do I have that right? Did you do anything on your vacation? Uh, that is correct. I relaxed. I... He, he relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, compared to whatever else was going on, I think I won on that one. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I would rather hang out at Nuno's house than be do- dancing the horror with uh, Hembo's friends <laughs> and watching a little Eastern Hockey League action with Bubba. Um, But I do think we could we could step up the vacations on this program a notch. I I do think we need to work on that. (laughs) I think at our next meeting, that is the conversation we're going to have to have is how do we make sure that gets a little bit better than the way we've been doing it. Okay. so I I try not to do too much stuff that we did on the old show here because, you know, that was sort of of its time. We did our thing there and, and I try not to bring much of it back. But one of the things that Mike and I always loved and I continue to love is this week which is the championship week of all the smaller conference tournaments. You can have the ACC tournament and the Big Ten tournament and all that. Those are good games and all that stuff. But for me, give me the championship game of the smaller conferences where one or the other is going to get into the tournament. The other one is clearly not. And in many cases, a team that hasn't been there in forever is going to get in. These small schools, I love those. And when you get a moment like you had last night, did you see how this game ended last night? Furman is playing Chattanooga. What conference was it? It was like the SOCON?
3: Yeah, the Southern Conference.
2: The Southern Conference, something like that. So they're playing this game. They go to overtime. Furman makes a layup with four seconds left to take a two-point lead. And then this is what happened.
0: Bothwell hunched over on the dribble for Furman with six. On the drive. Down the lane. Scoops it up. And good. 4.3 to go. Furman by two. They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1980. Jean Baptiste racing into the front court. Down two for
2: Chattanooga. He heaves it. And he got it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my. That's the losing call. To be clear, that's the Furman call of that moment. It was so unbelievable. This kid puts in a shot. His name is David Jean Baptiste, which, by the way, is a very cool name to have someone hit the game winner. But he runs up there. The coach, you can see, the coach of Chattanooga is running up the sideline trying to call a timeout. His teammate, his team ignores him. This kid goes up there. He pulls up and takes a jumper. This is not a heave. This is a jumper from what, roughly thirty-five feet, thirty-eight feet. Mm-hmm. With three guys on him, the entire defensive team races over to him, and he knocks down a jumper sort of falling away to his left. It's an incredible finish. That was the losing team's call. Here's the winning team's call. With 4.3 seconds left, David Jean-Baptiste drives, goes up, three-pointer on the way. Got it! He hit it! David Jean-Baptiste, three at the buzzer. Bucks win it! See, there's nothing better than that. To me, there's nothing better than that. Those calls, you know, this is not, uh, that's not Al Michaels, who's called like nine Super Bowls. This is the biggest moment of this broadcaster's career, getting to call this incredible moment. And the heartbreak to watch the kids from Furman just fall on the court, like just in devastation. it's incredible. I mean, when they talk about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and all that stuff like this is it at its absolute best. So um, I love those and we'll continue to play them if we get a few more good calls as we go. Meanwhile, I want to do one more thing before we get to the game. When
0: you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? Telling down telling enough. we got it. My favorite tweet of the day.
2: All right, so um, I have a three-way tie for my favorite person in the world. One of them is my wife, one of them is my son, and one of them is my daughter. It's beautiful. I only have one of each of those things. (laughs) And so there's no comparing in, in any circumstances. And so one of those three people is my daughter, Nikki, who is a junior in college. And she likes to tweet things. She likes to tweet things making fun of me because she tweeted one thing making fun of me once, and it got out there, and, like, the world went crazy. It had to do with, I forget what it was. Oh, it, was it was when the Jets traded, um, when they traded Sam Darnold. My daughter tweeted something that was making fun of me, and it got like 21,000 <laughs> likes. If you, if you clicked on Sam Darnold's name after he had been traded, the first thing that came up was from Shefty, and the second was from my daughter Nikki. Why are you laughing again?
3: Because it's very funny.
2: Right, yeah, right? it's funny. 22,000 likes. 22,000 likes. And the day that happened, she was like, oh, I like this. So she has been enjoying having a Twitter account, which I didn't let her have until she went to college, by the way. So the other day she tweeted something, and I was stunned at the amount of reaction that I could see it getting, and I thought I would just bounce it off the group. She tweets at Nikki Greeny, N-I-K-K-I Greeny. If you want to let this continue to go to her head, you could follow her, at Nikki Greeney. She tweeted, my fatal flaw is genuinely thinking turkey bacon is better than regular bacon. Now, I can tell you that's true. I can vouch for that. That girl grew up going to a diner. There was a diner in the town we used to live in, in Westport, Connecticut, called the Sherwood Diner, where my daughter actually ate her first ever solid food. She's 11 months old. And the first time she ever ate actual food that wasn't baby food was in that diner. She had an open-faced turkey sandwich. That's neither here nor there. Then I love going out for breakfast. So I took the kids out for breakfast every weekend morning, every Saturday, and every Sunday. We had breakfast in that diner when my kids were little. And Nikki would order turkey bacon, always, because she liked it better than regular bacon. So it, it got to a point that I didn't even think of it as strange anymore. Like, she's done this 500 times. She'll have the turkey bacon was just part of the conversation. So it never really occurred to me that that was an odd way to feel. So let me ask the the, the assembled members of the hashtag crew, do you have an issue? Don't hold back. It's my daughter, but she can take it. Do you, Nuno, have an issue With her liking turkey bacon better than regular bacon.
4: No, I'm a turkey bacon guy myself.
2: Oh, my goodness. Always? One vote for turkey bacon.
4: The only time I don't go turkey, if I'm at a diner and I go Canadian bacon.
2: So you stay away from the... Canadi- I, don't even, I don't even i don't even canadian bacon is one of those things i've heard of but have no idea what it is very good if you presented me like four food options and one of them wasn't hummus i might guess any of them was canadian <laughs> bacon like i do bubba do you have an issue with turkey bacon over regular bacon
1: uh no i don't have an issue with i would always just go regular bacon but i don't have an issue with it if you want if you want to go turkey bacon wow
2: I'm okay with it. I'm astonished I'm certainly going to go
1: regular bacon. I mean, I'm not going turkey bacon.
2: Hamble, I'm going regular. Do you have an issue with the selection of turkey bacon over regular bacon?
3: Y- yes. I mean, this is, this is moral depravity. <laughs> I mean, w- which, this is what she has done. Okay, this is the analogy I'll make. If there's one guy who pushes an old lady out of the way of an oncoming bus, right. and there's another guy that pushes an old lady into the way of an oncoming bus, <laughs> what your daughter has done is characterized them both as guys... That push old ladies around these things are not the same in this case, in this case, okay, bacon is the hero, and turkey bacon is murderous and to suggest that they are equivalent and to suggest that turkey bacon might be better is preposterous that 's really something, so
2: I, you know what I have to admit, even I, now that i 've thought about it, realize. That's nuts. I mean, tur- <laughs> turkey bacon just doesn't taste nearly as good no. as regular bacon. Oh. So if you're doing it for health reasons, I get it. Some people, if you're doing it for religious reasons, yeah. a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't eat pork will, will, will get the turkey bacon. But if you're just doing it because you flat out like it better, I'm her father and I have to question yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to get to the bottom of that. In the meantime, everyone in the world has the gambling thing wrong. I will explain that as we continue in a moment. Bubba will push the read because we're late. As always, it's Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Got your happy price, Price
3: Priceline. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First
1: there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down.
4: Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s.
1: I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this
0: 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents through the flames. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm not going to get to my gambling story uh, or not my gambling story, but the gambling story, because we have enormous news. I mean, I, this is the biggest news we will get in sports this off season. Pat McAfee has tweeted and our Adam Schefter has retweeted him that Aaron Rodgers is staying in green Bay. So the tweet from McAfee says, according to my sources, Aaron Rodgers will officially be returning to the Green Bay Packers. There is no deal in place currently, but there is said to be a cap friendly deal on the way. Retirement was a real consideration. And in the end, he is back with the pack with a couple of pictures of Rodgers. That is Pat McAfee tweeting that nine minutes ago. Again, Shefty has retweeted it, um, which suggests to me um, that he knows that it is right. So there you go. Um, this is the biggest news that we're going to get this entire offseason. I will admit that it takes me a bit by surprise. It is not what I expected. Um, we talked about it earlier today. Do we think he'll stay? Do we think he'll go? If, if indeed this is right. And look, let's just say it for what it is. McAfee's source is Rogers. Right? <laughs> no one has a better source on this than Pat McAfee does, because Matt McAfee is buddies with Rogers and Rogers is telling him. So he's staying in Green Bay. Uh, Wow. I I mean, I wasn't planning on getting into this now. I need to sort of digest it for a second here. We'll see what happens with Devontae Adams. They can franchise tag him in the next four and a half hours, which they will do if they don't get a long-term deal done. But if Rodgers is going to be there four more years, you would assume he wants Devontae Adams re-signed at a monster number. So you should expect to see that happen at some point soon. So that's the latest. Green Bay is bringing back Rodgers, and we would assume Devontae Adams from there. It is a monumental day of football offseason news. Hemba, what's your quick
3: reaction? I'm surprised like you were. An hour and a half ago, you asked everyone on the hashtag crew would he be back or not. I said no. I thought he'd be traded to the Denver Broncos. I was wrong. It seemed to me that the longer this took, the more open he was leaving that door. But look, this is a guy coming off of, you know, two of the best quarterback seasons of all time. He's won the MVP in each of the last two years with 85 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He's at the top of his game, the peak of his power, and there's no obvious reason to believe that the Packers won't be as good as any team in the sport next year because he's coming back.
2: Okay. So, again, this is a bit of a surprise. I'm going to pause briefly, let the rest of the country jump in here, and we will do a bunch on this, obviously, Um, up to and including, you know, let's monitor Shefty's feed and see if and when any further information comes from him. We need the numbers. There's a lot of things we don't know yet, but what we do know definitively, it seems, is that the biggest decision of the NFL offseason has been made. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. We continue in 15 seconds. All right. Simply enormous breaking news with us here on ESPN Radio. If you're just joining us, I'll give it to you in 30 seconds after this word from NetSuite. In growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs, the one overwhelmed with manual processes, errors, and lack of control of the numbers, and the one who uses NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. With visibility and control of financials, inventory, HR planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Head to NetSuite.com slash Greeny for a special one of a kind financing offer netsuite.com slash greenie aaron Rodgers is staying in green bay enormous breaking news the biggest story we will get this nfl offseason one of the biggest stories that we will have in sports anytime in the foreseeable future our friend pat mcafee tweeting now about 10 minutes or so ago that according to his sources and again his source is aaron Rodgers that Rodgers is officially returning to the Packers. There is no deal in place currently. There is said to be a cap-friendly deal on the way. McAfee tweets, retirement was a real consideration. In the end, he is back with the Pack. So that is enormous news. Shefty has retweeted that. We will wait for further information as it comes. As of this moment, Hemba, what are the biggest contracts?
3: So on an average annual value basis, meaning uh, how much you're making per year, the largest active contract or the largest in NFL history is Patrick Mahomes. His contract is for $45 million per year, the largest guarantee in NFL history is $150 million. That was Josh Allen who signed that deal. And best I can tell, the largest contract that was ever signed that was fully guaranteed was Kirk Cousins at $84 million a ways ago. So if it is indeed true that Rodgers is going to sign a deal worth $200 million over four years and it all be guaranteed, should that be the case, it would break all of those records by a significant amount.
2: Well, look, To me, the money uh, is relevant based upon what they can put around him. There's no amount of money he isn't worth. So there's not a lot of need to dive into that. I guess what there is need to do or occasion to do for those of us who our primary consideration is how does this affect the football of it all is you say to yourself, if you're Rogers, if your primary objective is to win another championship or two while you are there, and we talked about how maybe he had Brady envy, the Brady or Tampa Tom went down to Tampa, got everything he wanted, got to put together his roster, all the rest of that. Tom Brady has made himself the winningest quarterback, thus the greatest quarterback of all time, by taking less money. The football salary cap is a zero-sum business. I am in no way suggesting that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't, or any person, shouldn't take every penny they can if they want to. Aaron Rodgers has more than earned it. There's no amount of money you can pay him that I would say, well, that's too much for him. He's the best. But... Every penny he takes from the salary cap is a penny they can't afford to pay a linebacker or a safety or a right guard or all these other people they need around him. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's easy to spend other people's money and I'm not here to do it. And look, in in every contract negotiation I've ever been in, I've gotten every penny I can. But... I am not a person with hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank and the obvious potential, the ease with which he will continue to make money for the rest of his life. Aaron Rodgers will make a fortune the rest of his life being Aaron Rodgers. Hi, my name is Aaron Rodgers. Here's a hundred million dollars, right? <laughs> like I think if I were in his position, and again, I've never been and I'm never going to be. So maybe if I were sitting in his chair, I'd feel differently, but I think I'd be very, I would be very tempted to go the Brady route not just Brady didn't just do this because his wife is Giselle Bunchin. When he started doing it, his wife wasn't Giselle Bunchin. He did it because he wanted to win. And there's unimaginable value, financial and otherwise, in winning championships as a legendary quarterback. Like you want to retire as one of the greatest of all time or not? Like right now, he's going to go down as one of the best ever who just didn't win as much as you thought he would. I would hate that to be my legacy. If, if given the option, my legacy was he's one of the greatest of all time and he is one of five quarterbacks now to have won more than two Super Bowls, mm. right? Because that list is its Brady, Bradshaw, Montana, and Aikman, and that's it. So I, if I'm him, I'm circling Aikman on on a piece of paper and I'm saying that's where I want to get. I want to get to three. There's a million guys with one. That's what he has. There's a handful with two. The really rarefied air, and he belongs in it, because he's every bit that good. He's as good as any of them is to try and get to three. So let's see what the money is and let's see how it's structured. Because again, he should get all the money he can. God bless him. But if I'm Rogers, I want to make sure not only do we keep Devante, but we have some money out there to go get me another offensive weapon. And oh, by the way, we got to keep some of these good players on defense and everything else. That's what I'm thinking. I guess the the sports purist in me, Likes seeing him stay because he now, barring something unexpected, will become like Kobe, Jeter, Nowitzki, Ripken, a modern-era great who played his entire career with one organization. There's something about that that I like. I I don't know how you put a value on it, but there's something about it I like.
3: So I'll give you some more financials here. So the NFL announced yesterday the salary cap is going to be $208.2 $208.2 million dollars for the upcoming season. I've given the note many times on the air that no team has ever won in the, super, in, the, in the salary cap era a Super Bowl when any one player commanded 15% or more of their salary cap. So if you do the math, that means, at least historically, based upon the precedent, 31, about 30, $31 million would be sort of the max that Aaron Rodgers could make, uh, at least against the cap to sort of apply there now obviously there's so many easy ways to move money around he's a player who's made 260 million dollars in his career just in terms of the on-field earnings that's the you know just when he's playing for the packers he's obviously the face of state farm and another of of other companies so like you said money for him is never going to be a uh, consideration in his life
2: yeah look that again i don't want to make it sound like he shouldn't care about money there are people far richer than him that concern themselves with money greatly with every penny but most of them Probably all of them. I mean, if you're Jeff Bezos or or Warren Buffett or whatever it is, you're not not operating in a zero-sum universe. So if I'm competing with you, Hembo, I want to put you out of business. My parents owned a little tiny, tiny, tiny business, a bookstore. And if they did well enough, they could put other bookstores out of business, and that would be advantageous to their business. In fact, it was while my parents owned it that the era of the superstore came along, and Barnes & Noble and... and, um, uh, what was the other one called um, also with a B um, whatever the other bookstore that became a big chain of bookstores came along a uh, Borders thank you sorry Barnes and Noble and Borders came along and you know what they did they put my parents out of business that that's sort of the way that goes but if they needed each other in order to survive then you would do your business you your business model would be different and in the case of this Rodgers needs Devontae Adams and he needs whoever else it is you want to put into the conversation with David Bakhtiari and all the other good players on his team. So what do you think, Bubba, if you're in that position, if you're Aaron, I'm making you Aaron Rodgers, which considering the vacation you just took has got to sound like a significant upgrade in life.
1: I had a great time.
2: I'm sure you did. And, but, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers has taken vacations. Well, whatever. I shouldn't have started it that way. You're right. Your life is way better than Aaron's life. Having said that, <laughs> If you were in Aaron Rodgers' situation right now, would you take less money, whatever exactly it is that means we can figure out, in order to maximize your chances of winning championships? Uh, I think I would, yes.
1: I think at this stage in his career, I think I think at this point, I would like to be thinking of taking a little less, not not a ton, but I think a little less to try and win another Super Bowl in Green Bay. If the pieces are there, I would want to take a little
2: less to try and build more. Yeah. Lorenzo is reminding us that when the the big three decided to go to Miami, they all took a little less money. LeBron took a little less. Wade took a little less. Bosh took a little less. Obviously, all those things are not exactly equal because the NBA has has a salary cap that is flexible in the way the NFL's is not but also has maximum player salaries, which the NFL does not. So in theory, you could pay Aaron Rodgers $80 million. You just wouldn't be able to field the rest of a competitive team. In fact, just as parenthetically, Stan Van Gundy, I heard him say uh, once a, a while ago, and I think he's right, if the NBA wanted to improve their parity, that's what they would do, get rid of the maximum individual player salary. Because then LeBron James would get 60 or $70 million a year, and these guys couldn't afford to team up together. LeBron will and all those guys will leave three million dollars on the table. They're not going to leave 20. No one in their right mind is leaving 20 million dollars on the table. And by no means am I suggesting Aaron Rodgers should. Tom Brady made plenty of money by being a great quarterback, but he didn't take everything he could. And that's one of the big reasons he has seven rings on his fingers. Nuno, would you do it? Because you're kind of a mercenary. So would you take less money for a chance to win? I would, especially if I was concerned with my
4: legacy. Now, he's going to say he's not, but at this point in time, if Rodgers doesn't win a Super Bowl, not even make another Super Bowl, but win a Super Bowl, he cannot be discussed as like as one of the great all-time greats. Like He's not better than Joe Montana. He's not better than Peyton Manning. None of those guys because he took every single dollar and didn't win.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. He, he is not, I'm <clears> seeing <throat> Shefty still does not anything further than the, the uh, McAfee retweet. Um, he can't be in the greatest quarterback of all time conversation. He can't, for that reason alone. Look, the two, if you ask me just to say, if you watch the sport as long as I have, so I don't go back to Unitas and Otto Graham and people like that. I'm not old enough to have seen them play. I, I came of age in the 70s. So the best quarterbacks of my youth were Bradshaw, Staubach, Tarkenton, Stabler, that group, then into uh, the next era of the sport was ushered in in the 83 draft with Elway, Marino, and Kelly, those guys. And then along came over the course of time some of the other groups. Montana came in and before them. And then, uh, so Montana, obviously. Then Aikman came in there. Steve Young, Favre, Peyton, Brady. Th- these, are the, these are the best quarterbacks of all time. If you ask me, who was just the best, like the best at playing quarterback, just everything else being equal, I think I would be torn. Who do you think I'm going to say? Again, there's no way to quantify this. It's just my opinion. But I would pick two guys. Who do you think I'm going to know. say? I don't know. Rodgers would be one. Marino would be the other. Huh. <clears throat> if you watched to, to watch Dan Marino throw a football, Brandon, you remember Dan Marino? Like not everyone in this conversation is old enough to have seen that. To see Dan Marino throw a football was so beautiful you could make you cry. I mean, he, no one ever just threw the football better than Dan Marino did. It was, it was a thing of beauty. He was the definition of a statue. He never moved. Not only did he not run, he never walked. He just went bump, 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 and threw it. But the way he threw it literally could bring tears to your eyes. Rodgers, meanwhile, his game is extraordinary. I mean, I don't even know how to say it. The guy that Mahomes is chasing is Rodgers for all of the talent and all of the, this thing, the, the creativity and the combination of athleticism. I and mean, Rodgers was a two-way threat, a dual threat before that was a phrase. Long before guys like Kaepernick and RG3 were, were doing Rogers Rodgers did some of that. Not nearly as much. I guess Steve Young did that. Frank Tarkenton, they called him the mad scrambler. I mean, the game has changed a lot over the years. But I would put Rodgers right there with, the, this was a very long, drawn-out way of saying, I would put Rodgers as far as talent, right at the top of any list of the best quarterbacks of all time, at the very top. So now he needs to have the accomplishments to match them. And that's what I'd be thinking about. I also do think the Packers, staying with the Packers, I know this is just a random stream of consciousness, but we're just waiting until we get different levels of confirmation of this, and then we can start getting people on. Nuno just mentioned his legacy. This is a bit of a legacy play, too, right? Playing your whole career in one place is a little bit of a legacy play, especially when it's that place. Right? The Green Bay Packers are essentially a founding franchise of the NFL. They're one of the, you know, they're one of the hallmark, whatever the word I'm looking for is. They're, they're, they're one of the franchises. You put them in, you know, ballpoint pen, not in pencil. So I, th- I think that, that there's a little bit of a legacy Part of this, too. Not, not that he couldn't have been great in Denver, which is, I will admit, what I thought he was going to do all along. All along, I thought he was going to Denver. Until one minute before, uh, one minute after, <laughs> McAfee tweeted that, I thought he was going to Denver. You did, too.
3: Yes, yeah, so, so did I. Yeah. And I think former Broncos quarterback John Elway is, is a good example here because, I mean, obviously, Elway had never won a Super Bowl before, his, before the very end when he won two. But just think about how much those two championships – changed the way that we looked at him, even though he was always a great player. If Aaron Rodgers can find a way to capture that kind of thing with what looks now to be a wide-open NFC, the way we talk about Aaron Rodgers in two or three years might be totally different than the way we talk about him now. It's one thing to say he's the greatest thrower of the football that we have ever seen. It's another thing to say that he is the greatest or one of the greatest, and that's right here in front of him with a wide-open conference to make it happen.
2: All right, so again, we're waiting on more details on this here, but McAfee's not going to be wrong about this. Like, like. We all know who his source is, right? I'm not betraying him as a journalist. I mean, Aaron Rodgers shows up on his show every single week. So clearly the, the level of their relationship is such that it doesn't surprise me that when that news first came, it came from him. So Rogers going back to Green Bay. It does definitely mean they are a what's the word I'm looking for? Are they a prohibitive favorite in the NFC? You have the Rams? You have the Cowboys? Who else is there? I mean, with Brady gone from Tampa.
3: I got the odds up here. So the Rams are four and a half to one to win the NFC. Okay. The Packers are five to one. Okay. The 49ers are five and a half to one.
2: Let's see who their quarterback is. If their quarterback is, well, whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, I like uh, the Rams and the Packers better.
3: And then the Cowboys are six and a half to one.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way not to like, look, Dak is the next best guy in that conference. And that, I mean, the difference in quarterback play between the AFC and the NFC is unbelievable. But Rodgers is staying put. Hey, tune into the ESPN Daily podcast. Brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. It's available wherever you enjoy your podcast. All right, that is enormous news, and we'll continue to cover it throughout the day here on all the shows all across this station. Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. Enormous news. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you
0: get your podcast. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My
1: master
3: asks, what do you seek here?
0: To vanquish our common enemies. <laughs> Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power.
3: Let it come.
0: FX's *Shogun* now streaming on Hulu.